Welcome to Daily Delivery, everybody. I am your host, Michael Rand. It is Thursday, known in some parts as Junior Friday. Great show today. Brock Vereen, former Gophers defensive back, will join me in a little bit to give you an inside look at everything that happens, kind of from the point a college football career ends to the point that an NFL career begins. But first, what did I miss? Busy night last night, wasn't it? Um, you had a lot of options. Um, that seems to happen when the Wolves and Wild play on the same night. I've talked a lot about the Wolves in the last few days um, because of the coaching change primarily. Uh, I'll get to them in a different way in a little bit, but what I really want to focus on right now is the, the Minnesota Wild. 20 goals now in their last four games. That is an average of five per game, including a 6-2 shellacking of uh, Colorado on Wednesday night. Kirill Kaprizov, two more assists. He has 15 points this season. He is your Minnesota Wild points leader. He is your NHL rookie points leader. I said the other day on the show that I'm curious about this team that, uh, you know, that, that they, that they bear watching that I'm back on, back on the, back on the bandwagon now after that, uh, after that pause. Gentlemen, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Bonus points if you know what movie that is from. Wild has my attention right now. 20 goals in four games will do that. Impressive win, you know, against a team that is expected to be a contender uh, in, in that West Division, Colorado, uh, on, on Wednesday night. Now, let's see if they can sustain it. Let's see if, you know, a lot of teams can go through a little bit of a hot streak, get the offense going, everything starts clicking. You know, maybe you run into a couple goalies that that you know let in a few uh, let in a few that that shouldn't go in, and next thing you know, you get a nice little run going. That said, it feels like Kaprizov in particular, as great as he is, gives this lineup a certain kind of balance that it hasn't had before. Right when you have one player that makes things look so much easier or makes a line more dynamic, that trickles down to the whole lineup because then nobody else has to feel like they have to overachieve to a certain extent. They're, they can kind of slide into the appropriate roles that they want to play and have success that way. And that's what you're seeing during this streak. I think 17 different players have points uh, during this, you know, 20 goals in the last four games. So good game story today. Read that in StarTribune.com from Sarah McClellan. Um, and now the Wild gets to come home, and let's see if they can sustain what they've got going because, like I said, They've got my attention right now. I'm not just curious anymore. They just, they definitely have my attention. A nice win on Wednesday night, too, for the Gopher women's basketball team. Lindsey Whalen's team, 6-4 and four in its last 10 games after that rough start in the Big Ten. You can see them rounding into shape now. You can see after you know a lot of interruptions to begin the season, a lot of players out with injuries and or COVID, uh, be, you know, leaving them really shorthanded to the start of the year and against a really, you know, tough schedule. You can see them getting better now, which is kind of to be expected, right? A team should be getting better. That should be their arc as the season goes along, and you're seeing that now from from Lindsey Whalen's team. So good win over Nebraska on Wednesday. Let's see if they can finish this season strong. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Really excited to be joined today on the podcast by Brock Vereen, former Gophers standout, 
drafted in 2014 by the Bears in the fourth round. The hated Bears. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> we don't hate the Bears. Brock doesn't hate the Bears, but uh, Brock certainly played the game. He was an NFL player, so was his brother Shane. And I want him to – this would be around the time that the NFL Combine would normally be, and we'd be talking a lot about the pre-draft process and kind of the measurables and everything like that. I want Brock to take us through the process that that is. And so, Brock, welcome to the show, and, and I hope uh, I hope we can have some fun and, and, and teach some people some things along the way. Oh, of course. Thank you so much for having me, man. This is, uh, this is exciting. Yeah, the, uh, the uh, pre-draft process honestly starts – when you go to your bowl game for your senior season for me or junior year, if you know that you are, you are leaving because that's when you're, you know, you're not supposed to be, but that's when agents start reaching out to you. Of course, if you're a first sure shot, first round pick, you probably have your agent picked by sophomore year, you know, but um, from, from, from my standpoint, I had it easy because uh, my, my brother was in the league at that time was going on his third year, his fourth year, I think and uh his agent had become a family friend so that process was very easy for me but seeing you know uh, my, my teammate at the time who was uh Rashid Hagman who was of course going to be drafted who ended up signing with the same agency as me which was awesome but seeing a lot of guys going through that that that's when the stress starts uh because from the day that the the second that the clock hits zero on that last bowl game it is open season you are an adult who can now make money and do whatever needs to be done uh, to, to make this dream a reality. So uh, our final bowl game was in Texas. That, we were in Houston. We were in Houston. Uh, I, t- I got four days off. And then after that, I flew home, uh, packed up the car. Me and my mom drove to Orange County and training started the very next day. Um, and it's so cool because you get there. And, you know, every, every everybody's bowl game is different based on where your season goes, right? Um, so the kids who hadn't uh, made it to a, a later bowl game were already training. And then you're waiting on, you know, the Alabama and the Clemson and the Notre Dame kids who are going to get there later once they're done with their bowl game. Um, but all in all, it was it was so cool, man, just being you, you move into this apartment or condo, wherever you're place sets you up and they give you keys to a car and you're signing contracts and every now and then you're getting a check for money that you didn't know existed and it's just (laughs) this 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 whirlwind of a month ago I was in a college classroom and had to ask to go to the bathroom and here I am I just got handed keys to a car uh keys to an apartment it's such a whirlwind um what was really cool for me again was the familiarity of um the process due to my brother and also Rashid lived down the hall from me you know he we, we signed to the same agency so going through that process with him uh was an absolute blast man so that that was the uh, pre-pre-draft process I guess I, I, I would say so you go through that you're starting to train like you know this is January I'm assuming or pretty you know pretty soon right right yes, then right yeah, yep. so, so you're in January you, you how much better do you get in those like six weeks or whatever until your pro day or combine and everything like that. Like what what, is it? Is the purpose just to stay in shape or is it to get better in that time? So I would say the, uh, so uh, of of course um, your your agency is going to fly in the best of the best. Uh, Thankfully Orange County is a hotbed for where a lot of guys train always, you know, and um, if if they're not in Orange County, they're in LA and they drive down to Orange County for for the training. So 
basically the first week or so is just evaluation. It's how do you lift? How do you move? What's your flexibility? How high can you jump? How can you do this? Because the last thing they want to do is hurt you, right? You see all the time, guy tears ACL during training. He goes from being a first round pick to a free agent or something like that. Um, after that, it is vigorous, vigorous lifting four times a week. You're on the field three times a week. You're running, you're jumping. And it, it's a balance of, look, if you're a quarterback and you come in and they're going to bring in a personal quarterback coach, he's not going to restructure how you throw the football, right? You've been doing this for 20, 21 years. They're not going to restructure. So it, it, it is a balance of, okay, let's see how you backpedal. This is how I would do it, but this has gotten you to this point. So let's just fine tune things. So th- th- there is a barrier, not starting from scratch so to speak. Um, during that first week, you'll have all the combine drills laid out, right? So they're going to do your 40. They're going to do your vertical. They're going to do your shuttle run. They're going to take you through all the, uh, the drills and that's your baseline. Now, obviously over these next couple months, we want you to jump higher, run faster, this and that. Um, but there's also the competitive aspect, right? Um, there were five or six DBs out there. There were five or six receivers out there. There are a bunch of alignment. So it's also cool um, to see, hey, this safety from Alabama, you know, for me, it was haha Clinton Dix, um, who, of course, went to 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 Green Bay uh, and getting close with him and, and film study and stuff like that, like seeing how how he saw this play. And it's also cool just to see guys who have watched each other. Right. He was asking, you know, him and the, the guys, guys from USC and Texas and all this stuff. And it's hey, during that that game on the interception you had, what what were you seeing? You know, so it, it's it's a constant education. And there's also the college atmosphere of we're all living in the same building. You know, we have our own units, but we live in the same building. When we do have free time, we're grabbing drinks together, you know, and, and it's the first introduction to, um, hey, you went to Wisconsin, but you're actually a pretty cool guy. And now <laughs> I'm cool with your brother. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's such a whirlwind. And the only regret is I wish I enjoyed it more. The aspect of, oh, I'm actually an adult with responsibilities and like I said, the coolest part is every now and then your agent says, hey, here's a check for $500. I don't know why I'm getting this check, but I'm not <laughs> going to say no. You know, it's, 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 it's such a, um, a cool moment. But yes, from, from, from the physical performance side, uh, it is training nonstop all day. And basically, you are in the best shape of your life. Like I said, all your meals are delivered. So you're eating the best of the best prepared by a personal chef. And you just feel great all the time. It's, it's, it's like a legal drug, man. You just feel awesome. You feel like, like Superman. So you get to the combine. I've got uh, got some of your pro day combine oh, combine boy. scores here. You got four point four seven in the forty. Um, yeah. Let's see, bench press twenty five reps of two twenty five. I could not uh, I could not do that, Brock. Uh, vertical thirty four inches, broad jump one hundred and sixteen inches. You got the twenty yard shuttle, the three cone. They they've rank all these by size and position. Um, yeah. yeah, hand size is small. Sorry to, to sorry to point that I, out, but the forty time was fast. The, a lot of the bench the bench press was excellent. Um, <laughs> just it, how when you're at the combine and you're being kind of measured against everybody else and you're going through this kind of experience, what what is the combine itself like? And maybe less the physical too, and just the you know teams trying to get a sense of where you might get drafted and who likes you and things like that. You know, the combine for all the physical pressure is the most mentally draining experience um, the majority of those guys are ever going to go through. What the combine is, is not necessarily how fast can you run, how high can you jump. They know that, right? How, how, how many guys do you see? Um, you know, he didn't run a good 40, but 
he has game speed, right? Like coaches know that. And you know what? Maybe you had a bad day. Maybe you're nursing a sore hamstring, but you just want to put something out there. You know, th- there's so many factors. What the combine is, is how can you perform under the most pressure, the most eyeballs with the least amount of sleep you've ever had, right? Um, so again, you know, the we see as fans on TV, the combine is a one-day thing over these couple of hours as you run around, you know, Lucas Oil Stadium but you're, you're there for three days. And from the second you land at the airport, you have eyeballs on you everywhere, right? These NFL teams are worth billions. And, you know, if you have a good agent, they're going to prep you for this. Again, I had that and I had my brother and his Patriot friends who I got close with over the time. So they, they laid it all out for me. They said, one, you're flying from Orange County. There's going to be scouts at the Orange County airport. Everywhere you go, you are being watched. If you go to the bathroom, expect there to be a camera. I mean, it is you, you, you have, you know, and, and some, some of them wear their, you know, Cowboys hat, Packers hat, whatever. And some don't, if you get a random guy coming up to you at a, at, at the airport bar, well, first off, you should be at the airport bar, but if you get a random guy <laughs> coming up to you and he asks you a random question, asks you for directions to this terminal, he's a scout. I, I expect him to be a scout. Really? It is, wow. It is, it is insane. And everywhere you go from the second you get on that plane, there's somebody watching you from when you land, how, how you, how you handle yourself. Um, and then once you get to the actual facility, it's, it's so eerie. It's like high school in a way. Um, as far as like picture being a freshman walking into high school for the first time, terrified, but pretending to be confident at the same time, because you don't want to look like you're terrified and, Oh, that's that. Oh, that's that quarterback. Everyone's talking about that's that D lineman. Everyone's talking about, Oh, that I just walked by Pete Carroll. Oh, I'm I'm getting lunch and Cam Newton's here for some reason. You know, like it's <laughs> it, it's such um an eerie feeling. And then you know, you 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 meet with all these coaches, and um again, you hopefully you're prepped, but you know, you you have uh, like the Seahawks and Pete Carroll are known for very laid back, they're gonna crack jokes, they they, they want to get to know you as a person. And no shocker, if you meet with the Patriots, they're going to ask you the toughest questions ever. They don't care about your highlights. They're going to, you're going to go in a room and on that um, projector, they are going to put the five worst plays you've ever had. Is that true? Absolutely. The, 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 the the time you got run over the time you, you fell on a double move and and you got scored on Uh, the time that you got a penalty because you punched a guy and you know what? And you know what? And they're going to have the clip where you punched a guy and the ref didn't see it. Right. And they said, so why do you let your emotions get the best of you? Um, and unfortunately, and then teams, you know, can trouble this. If you have a brother in jail, they're going to ask you about that. Your best friend from ninth grade that stabbed a guy, they're going to ask about that. You know, they, and what, what the greatest thing my brother told me, uh, thankfully for me, I didn't have those, um, scenarios course, yeah. in my life, but, um, Thankfully, my brother told me is whatever they ask you, they already know the answer. Treat it like court. They know the answer. They want to see how you respond to it. And I think that's where a lot of guys get in trouble is they think they can lie their way out of it. You know, it's like, no, they've talked to your high school coach. They've talked uh, to that, 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 that teacher that suspended you once. They've talked to them. All these coaches have talked to all these people. Um, so anyway, so you have your interview process. You're going to go to the hospital and get the most thorough examination you can ever imagine. If you sprained your ankle your freshman year in college, they're going to scan it and just make sure it's fine, right? Because they're about to make a hefty in, in, investment. Yeah. In it. So that's fair. That's draining. 
you have your drug test. So you're up at 4 a.m. Um, and wow. what they don't tell you, yeah, well, well, that's what they don't tell you is your drug test is scheduled for five, but no drug test is on time. They're going to fall back. So you have to get up at like four, get there. Hopefully you get yours on time and hopefully you can get 90 minutes of sleep before you have to go in Lucas oil and run in front of Mike Tomlin. You know, it's, it's, yeah. you know, one of the craziest things is how quiet that stadium is because when, when, when you think to athletes, everything you do, there's noise, right? If you're at practice, there's a coach yelling at you. There's pads hitting each other. If not, there's like speakers, right? Even if you're in the NBA, there's always speakers playing or music or something. And to walk in front of that arena that sits 60,000 people, whatever it is, and it's just dead. I mean, if, if, if you sneeze, the whole place looks at you. Like it, there, There's no noise. And that's the eeriest thing. Um, but you go out there and you perform. And in my case, I knew for whatever reason, I was terrible at the vertical. I, I, I could dunk a basketball, but I couldn't do a vertical. I, I, huh. I never understood why that, that worked. Uh, but I knew going in, I have to kill this 40. I have to kill this shuttle run. Um, and I need to show something on bench because as a corner moving to safety, the one thing they worry about is, is your, your, your physicality. And I have to kill that because my vertical is going to be awful. Uh, thankfully I, I did pretty well at those things, but, um, yeah, man, it is just, it's just fascinating. I remember running my, my first forward. Of course you do it twice. I ran my first and I'm texting my uh, brother, like what, what, what was it? What was it? What was your, you're the last one to know. And I remember, I remember it was him or my dad. It was my dad said, uh, you, you ran, uh, my unofficial wasn't four, four, seven. It was like four, four, five or something like that. It was much better. I was mad that they, they bumped it, but he said, this is what you ran. But, uh, uh, Mike Tomlin stopped mid conversation and looked at the screen when your name was announced. So I think the, the, uh, the Steelers are, are really interested huh. in you, you know, and like, it's just cool little, little caveat stuff like that. And sure enough, after the combine, I went and visited, uh, Pittsburgh, but uh, yeah, man, it, it is just so much stress and it's shocking how what goes on on the field is probably 2% of it. You get through it. You end up getting drafted by the bears. I, we don't need to go through the entire draft night process, but just, you know, that's, I imagine that's just a, an interesting period in time. And when you're a fourth round pick, like you were, you know, a team likes you, but you're, you're still fighting to make a team. So what is, what is that kind of first six months like, and then, you know, as you're trying to stay in the league, you know, and, and, and battle for those roster spots, yeah. you know, how, what, what's the margin for error? Yeah. You know, if you're a first round pick, I, I don't want to say, unfortunately, because people make mistakes, but unfortunately, yeah, you know what, if you get a DUI that first month, well, they just gave you 10 million. So you're not going anywhere. You know, yeah. uh, if you fail a drug test, they're going to find a way to keep you around because you, they, they've already given you your signing bonus and they don't want that 4.5 million off top to just go, go to waste. Um, I would say the margin for error starts around the third round. That's when it is, uh, you're a little more expendable. Uh, so coming as a fourth round pick, I knew nothing here is guaranteed. Fourth round picks get cut all the time. It's a rare thing, but it happens, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Um, so yeah, so you really, you you have your uh, draft day, You your phone rings, you look at the area code and you're like, oh, there's a couple teams in that state or there's only one team in that state and you, you put it <laughs> together, go through all that, you show up and quite honestly, there's no, you, you you don't really catch your breath until like week four of the season because wow. you get there, it's rookie camp, um, all eyes are on you. And there's this pressure of, you know, you, you show up on a college campus and there's pressure of, hey, we gave you a scholarship. We came all the way to California 
to get you to come to Minnesota, we better be right. And there's this pressure of, I know this coach recruited me. I have to prove him right. Cause I'm sure there's some other coaches who wanted another guy. Well, it's the same thing, except now you've got a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account, you know, and it's, I have to prove the guy that drafted me. Right. Cause at least half these coaches probably wanted a guy from Clemson or something like that. So th- there is that sense of pressure. Um, there is a competition aspect too, of course, because you're not the only DB that they brought in. You're not the only safety. Uh, Kyle Fuller was the first round pick. He was a cornerback and my roommate at the time. So we, we had a good dynamic. There's that aspect. So there's the rookie camp. You go through that, you make your mistakes, you learn. And then uh, OTAs and all the veterans show up. Now it's, I'm not going up against the undrafted guy from Southern Alabama. I'm, I'm lined up against Alshon Jeffrey. What the hell do I do? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. But all that being said, that's why you do it. You know, every time you feel yourself getting nervous or worried or anything like that, it's like, this is what I wanted. Why would I waste my time being terrified all day long? You know, so you shake that immediately and you're just like, I'm just going to go out there and have fun. And what they always tell you is it's the same game you've been playing your whole life. And, and it is just with higher stakes. So, yeah, so you, 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 you go through that. But I, I guess to, to answer your question, just increased amount of pressure and understanding this is a business. Any job from the second you get hired, it's the recruiter's job to go find your replacement. It's the same in college. Quite honestly, it's the same in high school nowadays. Once we have you under contract or in our jersey, our job is to not find the better version of you. And that is in your head throughout your uh, tenure. Fascinating stuff. I want to ask a couple more things and then we'll, we'll, we'll duck out of here. One is, you know, you, you go through, you know, all these processes you know, that we've described for you this year, the environment is completely different, right? They're doing the virtual combine. Um, you know, off season has been a lot different. At least it was in 2020. I imagine it will be to a degree in 2021 as well. How do you imagining you were going to be, you know, this was your draft class. How much different do you think that experience is if, if, as all of it plays out virtually? Probably going to be a lot of zoom calls. Yeah. Um, and they're not going to ask you to run a 40 on zoom or I hope not. That'd be weird. You know, I, I would anticipate some screen sharing going on. So, Hey, break down this play. And even still it's, it's, it's tough. One thing that a lot of teams do is they, they teach you a coverage in their defense and then they throw up some NFL plays on film and tell you who messed up or what this guy did right, you know, in, in, in real time, I, that could still be something. It'll be more difficult to do over zoom. Um, but because there won't be physical analyzation going on, it will be a lot of digging into this person. Hey, we can't ship these scouts around. So we're going to dive deeper into his teachers and his family life and all this stuff, which, which is a bummer because guys who maybe made mistakes early will get less of an opportunity to prove that that's not them anymore. You know, that, that makes me nervous, but it's, it's, it's going to be very tough. And I feel for the guys who, uh, don't get that experience you know all i know this whole time i've made it seem like it was stress 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 but it was fun and you met some really cool people and you have some awesome stories i did not play very long but i have friends for life from um just guys that i bumped into we uh there's a receiver from south carolina bruce bruce ellington um we happened to be on our visit to pittsburgh at the same time and i bumped into him a couple years later at an airport you know it's 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 really cool uh, like that. So I do feel for the guys, but it's going to be stressful, man. And I would tell the kids, get a lot of sleep, uh, make sure your background's nice and uh, just deliver your best self because you're not going to be able to impress them physically it, from, from, from what it sounds like, unless there's a drastic change going forward. Like you said, you played 
16 games as a rookie with the Bears. Your NFL journey ended a few years after that. How how's life now? What's what's post career been like for Brock Vereen? Oh, it's a blast, man! It is a blast. You know, it's one of those things where you feel like you would wake up and say, I got two years left. And then you wake up, I got one year left and then I'm done. You know, it, it wasn't like that for me. I woke up and I said, I think I'm done with this, you know? And I called my mom, I called my brother who was with the giants at the time. And the biggest fear you have is, um, is wow. All these people who have helped me get to this point, I let them down. And it's not that they, if you wanted to be a lawyer, if you wanted to be a doctor, if you wanted to be a gardener, like it, it doesn't matter. They support you. That's the biggest hurdle. Once you get over that, it's this, the world is my, like, do I want to go back to law school? Do I want to be a NASCAR driver? You know, like (laughs) all this stuff. Um, Long story short, I got an opportunity to um, broadcast and be the color commentator with, uh, with Fox sports uh, prep zone, which does the high school games out in California, which is awesome because LA and orange County has some great high school ball. And I know the schools, I know the area. Um, so I started color commentating with them, and then that led to uh, hosting some uh, shows with, with with a company called Campus Lore, uh, which has been an absolute blast. And visiting, you know, going to Ohio State uh, to eat at the best restaurants that they have there. Like we're doing diners, drive-ins, and dives, oh, but we nice. get to watch football and walk around these. Like in going to spending a weekend in Clemson eating the best barbecue they have and then watching them play Louisville. Like it's, it's, it's a dream job, man. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. And then um, most, most recently uh, started an esports network. So we are, we started May, 2019. So approaching two years and um, the tell it, 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 I guess the pitch is it's a television network, basically ESPN, but for esports. Um, and it's been a blast, man. We're now in Brazil we're in uh, 42 of the 44 European countries. We're in Canada and uh, fingers crossed some some other continents soon. And it has been just an absolute blast. Speaking of absolute blast, this was great, Brock, having you on. Um, it's almost as good as following you on Twitter at Brock Marine. He's one of the best follows out there, honestly. Um, he's Far from it. <laughs> funny. No, you're really good. You're funny on Twitter. You're insightful, just like you were on this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today and uh, yeah, appreciate it. And I'm glad everything's uh, I'm glad you're having such success in your, your post-playing career as well. Thank you so much for having me, man. Anytime, whatever you need. Uh, I'm always here. E- uh, I forgot to mention the name of the network cause I'm terrible at marketing, but ESTV is the name of the channel. Any, any OTT platform, meaning like Roku, Amazon fire stick, sling TV, whatever. If you or your kids, uh, enjoy esports, uh, turn on ESTV, but more importantly, thank you for having me, man. Uh, this is awesome. Any, I mean, I tell people all the time, Minnesota isn't my second home. Like it is my home and, uh, people that I met there, both teammates, coaches, or people in the, uh, the media are the nicest, kindest people who just love sports and it just oozes out of you. And, uh, people like you uh love it and next time i'm out there i'll, I'll be sure to hit you up yeah for sure man I, I appreciate this so much and uh and take care all right you have a good one uh ac out there in the flat is a ball thrown in the low that is, that isn't snooker's fault this segment of course is all about blame and the assumption of it that clip of course famous uh jerry burns rant about former vikings offensive coordinator bob schnelker the context today is not football it is basketball i had an assumption that 
as the Wolves have lost a lot of these close games, especially over the last 15 games. The last 15 games, 14 of them have been single-digit games, and a lot of them kind of down to the wire. Another one of them uh, Wednesday night when they lose in overtime at Chicago, second game of the Chris Finch coaching era. Offense looks okay. Defense looks terrible. Again, 133-126 loss in overtime. But I had an assumption that during this struggle, Ricky Rubio was largely to blame, or at least in in part to blame, because going back to his first time here, it's hard to win when your point guard can't necessarily create his own shot or is not a great scorer in the fourth quarter. The offense tends to bog down, right? That's my assumption. It's a true thing about the NBA, and when you have a point guard like that with Rubio, a pass-first guy, it seems like the fourth quarters will be struggles, because that happened a lot to the Wolves in the first Rubio go-round. Well, guess what? Over the last 15 games, guess who has the best net rating in the fourth quarter for the Timberwolves among players who are regulars in that quarter? It is Ricky Rubio, plus 10.8 in the fourth quarter over the last 15 games. He is getting it done. A lot of his teammates are not. We saw that again on uh, Wednesday night when uh, Ricky Rubio makes three free throws in the clutch to uh, to help them get to overtime. Well, they, they lose, of course, to Chicago still. Not Ricky Rubio's fault, okay? Not Ricky's fault in the fourth quarter. That was my assumption, but I was wrong. And, uh, yeah, I'm here to admit it. Um, sometimes when uh, when that happens, uh, you just you got to look at the numbers, you got to look at the facts, you got to find out what is really going on. Let's end things with the cooler, really bad news for the Twins and top prospect Royce Lewis on Wednesday. They find out that he tore his ACL, and it sounds like it happened during that freak storm down in Texas last week when he slipped on some ice. Lewis, of course, the number one overall pick in the 2017 draft. Bad news anyway, right? But you're talking about a guy now who will go two full seasons without playing a meaningful game because the minor league season in 2020 was wiped out as part of the uh, the COVID-shortened season. So now you're talking about a top prospect who will not have played a meaningful game in 2020 and 2021 as he recovers from this injury. I'm sure he'll come back. I'm sure he's still got a long career ahead of him, but that is going to stall his development in an unfortunate way. That'll do it for today. Thanks for listening to the Daily Delivery Podcast. As always, subscribe to this podcast. Read the Star Tribune, startribune.com. Chris Hine will join me on Friday to examine a little bit more fully the Chris Finch coaching era and what is on tap for the Timberwolves. We'll see you again Friday. Thanks for listening.